Hello, and welcome to Working Title, a podcast where two writer friends stumble through books we love, looking for writing secrets. I'm Dana, and this week I have been doing so much Dungeons and Dragons writing, I cannot tell you. I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, because I've been working a lot on an anthology that by the time this episode is out should be available. Ooh. Uh, yeah, called Stolen Hearts. It's all romance-themed heists. Oh my god. Music to my ears. Yes. I got to I got to playtest one of them. Yeah. It was super fun. Uh, yeah, so I've been it's been really really fun to work on. It's uh it's like an anthology of adventures, so it's been like there's a lot of other really cool writers. Uh, and people working on it, and I'm so excited to see it coming together. But also, um, we're recording this uh, in very early February, and the goal is to try to get this out before Valentine's Day. Uh, so we're in that like crunch time <sighs> oh of like, God, okay, man. time to get everything together. Um, so it's been a lot of like, there's been a lot of writing, and then also just a lot of uh, logistics about writing. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but. But it's been very satisfying, and I am excited. I'm decided to do again this year, Flash Fiction February, uh, which I'm very jazzed about because last year that was like a huge flashpoint for like creative brain. Mm. Um, and I haven't. I'm, I'm, you know, a day or two behind, but I am excited and ready to jump back into that. Yes, it's still February. It's still so February. You're I can not catch really up. behind. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing, and I'm so not surprised you're about to be coming out with another great D&D anthology. I feel like every Thank other you. time I log in to Twitter, I see you're promoting something else very cool that you're doing, so uh, this is another note to anyone listening that if you're not following them, you should be, because they've got a lot <laughs> of cool stuff going on. Um, and hi, I'm Leah. And uh, lately I've been thinking a lot about like the kind of balance between um, taking the baby steps to your big goal and also just like pushing yourself and leaping off the edge. And I made a decision with regard to my novel, which I feel like I'm constantly fiddling with. And I, <laughs> I called it the nuclear option. And it oh, is... Shit. Yeah, <laughs> get ready. I created an email account. I drafted an email to a couple of my friends with a link to my manuscript. I scheduled that email to go out at the end of July, and then I lost it. And that email is not connected. Like, the account is not connected to anything else. So I literally cannot get back into that email. So no matter what, wow. work on it or don't. Someone is getting a copy of that manuscript to look at. So <laughs> the this faces. is bold. This is bold and, and incredible so bold. work. I love I love the idea too that I mean, I think this is a great idea and honestly so proud of you for like setting this. I know this is a thing for you. <laughs> Such a thing. And also also de I'm deeply terrified on it, of it from like so many perspectives of like what if you do more work and then you send the, but like I just, the old, the current version is the one attached, right? Are it's you It's the gonna... link. So I have it saved. Oh, it's the a... link. Mm -hmm. Oh, perfect. This makes much more sense. Yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Not, not the current. The current version is like, it's a sketch of a story. You could see that it's headed in the direction of being a story. 
<laughs> it's not it's not there yet uh yeah I just I wanted to get a little bit over my perfectionist tendencies which I'm constantly battling um and just this like fear around creativity which I don't really think is that mm-hmm. helpful or productive you know I'm not I'm not putting it out into the universe at this point it's just like sending it to a couple of trusted friends um so sure. I can like release the death grip that I have on on it I think I think it's generally good like sometimes uh sometimes fear is useful but the death grip is usually not usually when I find yeah it's like oh I've got a death grip on this it's okay I need to I need to relax a little don't I <laughs> somehow yeah. yeah I don't need to like white knuckle my way through writing it's it's, mm-hmm. it's gonna be all right yeah yeah no I love that uh and also with us this week who you heard just a moment ago uh, we are joined by a very special guest, Mackenzie. Mackenzie, I hear you like books. <laughs> it's hilarious because we're recording this and uh, we're on like a video. We're on Zoom, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we can see each other's faces and backgrounds specifically. <laughs> uh, and I'm in my office, which is also my library. And so I have like three giant bookshelves right behind me uh, filled with books, of course. So um yeah, I like books. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm not a writer, um, so I don't have any novels or anything in the works, uh, but I really love books. I'm really active on Bookstagram. I have a book blog, so I guess I do like a little bit of writing yeah. for that. Um, uh, not so much fiction writing, though. Writing yeah. reviews, though, are challenging and I think also definitely it's really hard. yeah and there's <laughs> yeah there's like an element of creativity too and in, in it I think I'm writing a really engaging review like you notice mm-hmm. so yeah yeah absolutely like no argument there <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just a you know different beast yeah than completely crafting totally. a, a story mm. from from nothing or I guess not nothing that's the point of this podcast right is like you it's all coming from somewhere yeah yeah. (laughs) um yeah so i mostly read like science fiction and fantasy Mm -hmm. a little bit of romance um i like to focus on diverse stories you know diverse sexualities genders um ethnicities uh i'm mixed race asian so i love finding authors that have a similar background to me Mm -hmm. um yeah, that's that's me, I guess. <laughs> well, and what a lovely lead-in to the book we're discussing this week, uh, which is a book that you chose, Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki, uh, which I was so excited when you named this because this was a book, this was a reread for me as well, um, and uh, so enjoyed it. Can you tell us a little bit, Mackenzie, why did you pick this book to come and chat with us about? Um, I think it was... Like, it it encompasses a lot of things that I like to read about. Mm -hmm. Um, So, like I said, I really like sci-fi and fantasy. This book is a little bit of both. Um, Yup. The (laughs) fantasy deals with the devil, uh, magical violin bows. um, But it's also sci-fi. We have a family that escaped a war-torn empire and traveled to Earth to seek peace. Um... And it's super queer. Uh, mm-hmm. We've got like a trans main character. 
the another one of the characters is sapphic and um it deals with a lot of the good things about being queer but of a lot of the bad things yeah um and it shows i think really two different perspectives on that like our our trans main character has gone through a lot of suffering in her life Mm -hmm. and our older mentor figure main character um has been very privileged and fortunate and though she is queer she doesn't come from the same place that uh the younger character does Mm -hmm. and so they both get to learn from each other and have those experiences together that help both of them grow um and i really just like i mean we'll we'll get into all the things that i like about it but like (laughs) one of the other reasons i picked it is it's it's about love it's about family Mm -hmm. uh it's about chosen family which is you know the best trope to exist probably um yeah i mean i know you guys agree (laughs) um but yeah, those are just a few of the reasons I chose it, and you know, the author's Asian, so that always kind of speaks to me. And like, I'll I'll talk about it a little bit more probably. But there's like little drops of Asian culture, mm-hmm. which obviously Asians are not a monolith, um, but there are some um, experiences and and things that uh, Western cultures I think don't have the same equivalent uh, but a lot of asian cultures uh can like bond over that Mm -hmm. and the author sort of drops those pieces in the book and i think for like a western audience or someone who isn't asian like you still understand and read and it's not like totally out of your grasp but for those people who grew up with some of the things that she talks about it it hits a little harder you Mm -hmm. know um and i really i really loved that yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it really is like it is a it is a very good thing. I feel like that we have don't usually spend a lot of time on this podcast trying to summarize books because I don't know how you would for this. I mean, it's it really is yeah. this like unapologetic genre smashing of like of yes, the this like Faustian bargain fantasy uh, the sci-fi galactic space refugees, and then also a devastating lit fic portrayal of like growing up trans mm-hmm. and uh, not in a situation that is accepting of that. Major trigger warnings for that for folks like there's yeah. there's a lot of transphobia. There's some that sexual is assault. Thing I was, like thinking about it, like I highly recommend this book, but like yeah, it comes with almost every trigger warning you can think of. Yeah, um, so. I it's would all, definitely it's, recommend, I would recommend reading it, but reading the trigger warnings first. Yes. Um, yeah. 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 It, a lot of this handled clearly with a lot of thought and intention, mm-hmm. but it is, it is a book where you're going to watch a character get dead named. Uh, you do have some not, not viscerally described, but some on page sexual assault. Like there's, there's some rough stuff in this. And then also there's uh, aliens running a donut shop. Also, same book. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so, it doesn't flinch away from the realities, I think, of life for all of these different characters, but it's also ultimately so hopeful. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. yeah. 
I was also thinking I'm so glad it's typically, although we haven't done it as much recently, it's the person who's like kind of hosting that particular episode will do a summary. And I was thinking, oh, thank goodness this isn't me because I, (laughs) in addition to what you're saying about the genre smash, the number of character arcs that you'd have to go through in one book. There's so many. Yeah. Yeah. I think the point of the book, like, if you're going to summarize it, you can just, like, read the Goodreads summary and understand that, like, basically what I said, right? There's deal with the devil, there's uh, musicians, and there's this family from space, and they all come together. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, what you really need to know is that it's, like, an exploration of people and finding love and acceptance and in many different ways um, and basically like creating a life for yourself yeah and i don't think that it's a lot of similar to how like becky chambers Mm -hmm. books have like a very like straightforward plot sure right but it's not about the plot like reading the book is not about the plot it's about the people Mm -hmm. yeah and that's like this book this book is about the people that's also one of the things i love is like there are side characters um like a woman who I think the term is a luthier, yeah, yeah, um, who fixes violins, and it's like she's a side character, right? But she doesn't feel that way, mm. yeah, because you get to know her and her history and her family, and it's amazing, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love that. And it all does feed into this, like, yeah, I I totally agree, and not just because it gets me off the hook of trying to summarize <laughs> this book, but. Um, <laughs> There is a lot of, you could spend a while doing a and also, and also, and also summary of the plot. Because I I agree, like, the plot is not the point. But in contrast to a lot of books where the plot is not the point, there's still, there's a Mm -hmm. lot of plot here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But but you're right that, like, in the end, the thing that's so fun about all these threads, right? There's the, all these different genre threads, all these different characters, and many side characters. Like, it is a really uh, significant cast of characters that you're playing with here. They all are building towards this question around mortality, right? Around, like, what is... Around questions of survival, of why any of that matters, why do you try to survive, what is worth it about this. And again, like, from these different perspectives of, like, you know, these different genre perspectives, even of we're engaging with the brutality of life, we're engaging with like a sci-fi futuristic kind of mortality, or we're engaging with you sold your soul to the devil for genius. And what will you do to to escape your fate and all this kind of stuff. Um, And yes, even these side characters where then there's like questions of legacy, questions of what is it all for that end up tying together really beautifully. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to. No, you're good. It's like mortality and survival, but also how that relates to living. Yes. And the difference between survival and living. Oh, yeah. That I feel like, especially, I just reread the whole book so that I'd Mm -hmm. have it fresh in my mind to talk about. And when I got to the end, I feel like that's kind of the ultimate thing about this book yeah. is like the difference between survival and living mm-hmm. yeah 
Well, I think that gets to what you were saying, Lee, about the fact that it's so hopeful. Yeah. If you were to tell somebody like, hi, here's this enormous book. It has lots of trigger warnings and it's about mortality. That makes you think you're going to read a certain kind of book. And that's yeah. really or not. Like, is sure. this a little life? Because I'm not ready. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, it is, there's, there's some real brutal parts to it, but it is because it is engaging with this absolute just like, verve for being alive and what that actually means and what it can mean in a way that is deeply hopeful and not that like I think a lot of times when we say hopeful and we talk about it as a theme we have this sense of hope being sort of delicate and fragile the hope in this book is not delicate it is fierce and sometimes yeah. angry like it it feels really uh it's visceral you know, I think it's visceral yeah like it's 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 grounded it a lot mm-hmm. yeah it reminds me a lot, which I didn't think of until just now, but a lot of um, Princess Mononoke, mm. because that film is and story is quite brutal, very sad. There's mm-hmm. a lot of destruction, um, but it also there's change and it feels hopeful at the end. I don't want to like spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Sure. Hopefully. You all have seen it, and hopefully a lot of the people <laughs> listening have seen it, because it's just so good. Um, but that story feels very analogous to the Light from Uncommon Stars, and also yeah. the the way I think that um, Miyazaki tells his stories in Princess Mononoke and other of his films, there's a lot of these scenes, which I think he's talked about in interviews, of quiet moments. Mm-hmm where there's nothing really happening to specifically move the plot along. Um, you know, like, a lot of the more scenic moments in My Neighbor Totoro, or things like that. I mean, obviously there's... Or, or like, in Ponyo, there's a scene where the mom makes the kids, like, ramen. And, you know, they're just sitting there and... It's not like that moves the greater plot forward, but it's about the characters and that having those moments of peace to sit in. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot in this, in Light from Uncommon Stars, um, with the food scenes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and there's so those are many. Some of my favorite ones because, yeah, like the, there'll be two characters that go to a restaurant and have a conversation. And, you know, obviously this is, you know, quote, moving the plot forward in terms of they're talking about some of the issues that are happening in, in this, at the time, right? But it's more about the two people sitting there and sharing a moment and the way she describes the food. Oh I like, so please good. eat something before you read this book. <laughs> yeah, or like, I w- you know, it's about a family, who, or not about solely, but includes a family who runs a donut shop, like... Mm-hmm. I, before we started recording, I was like, God, dang it, I should have ordered myself donuts <laughs> to eat. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, it really feels, I think that also helps. Like, Leo, you were saying, it feels really grounded, mm-hmm. right? I think those moments in particular help it feel really solid and, like, down to earth, which is ironic. Wild for all the yeah. Faustian bargains and Galactic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's, it's, it's not just that it's adding to the world, right? These little details make the world feel more real to us. I think yeah. it's also 
really good for kind of strengthening the internal conflicts, um, showing mm-hmm. some contrast. Like it makes it makes the I guess quote unquote big P plot moments when they happen hit harder. And then on top yeah. of that, you have these delightful descriptions of food. I'm sorry, I'm saying this, and I'm like thinking about the descriptions, and my mouth is literally watering. I'm so hungry. Why did we? Yeah, <laughs> I I ate right before this. I so knew smart. it was going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's like justice for readers who like to read late at night after all the restaurants are closed and oh can't my get God. out of bed. I know. Can't afford the food. Tell or, me about just, it. I love it, but I also, I do hate it a little bit, Um, but I do love it. Also, like, obviously, I I was talking about how this book is steeped in Asian culture. The dishes, like, if I was reading this, right now I live in Las Vegas, so I have a lot of Asian restaurants at my disposal to go to, but Mm -hmm. the first time I read this, I think I, I can't remember when it was, but I might have been living in New Jersey in a small town where there's like one Chinese restaurant. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. one Indian restaurant, you know, and like some of the dishes she talks about, you just can't get them yeah. mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't love... know what the point of that was, but no, it, it's true that it just <laughs> makes it harder. Right. Yeah. I feel like. There were two things in particular that the that the food scenes made me think about. One from more of like a craft writing perspective and one more from like a themes perspective that was so interesting. But like what we're talking about here about how this is about the difference between survival and living, like the food scenes are absolutely that. Yeah. One of the most one of the times I've probably been the most horrified by something seemingly benign on the internet was I saw someone who was posting where they were like, I don't understand people who get really into cooking. Like, that's just a thing you have to do to stay alive. Can you oh imagine if there were you, there were whole blogs and like people were like really into mopping. Like they got super into it. And I was like, what is wrong with you? What do oh you Oh my mean? God, I cannot relate. Cannot, cannot relate. relate. Food is a, yeah. is, is a delightful, if you can get past the point of needing it to be sustenance, right? Of like, that, that is obviously a privileged moment to be able sure. to pass yeah. from survival okay. into Exactly. Thriving. Also, what I was going to say is yeah. like... I'm sorry, I know this is not the point, but just to poke another hole in the analogy, like mopping is an element of a bigger thing. Like cook, that would be like yes. comparing chopping to mopping. Mopping is part of cleaning. Yes. And actually there <laughs> yeah, are yeah. people... There's a lot of blogs cleaning. about cleaning. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. Yeah. Continue with making your... No, you're 100% right (laughs) no i mean it is a relevant point because i think like the it feels like the point of this book is not saying well it kind of is but it kind of isn't saying food is the is the difference between survival and living it's a lot about like there is a difference and it matters Mm, right a a major element of this that we have is not just the way that so many I mean I think almost every combination of characters eat together at some point at different restaurants and different moments and it's great but there's also the fact that we do have these intergalactic space refugees running a donut shop and you know they're there to be refugees like they didn't come here because they're like we would love to start a donut shop Mm -hmm. yeah and initially they start they just start 
perfectly replicating using Star Trek kind of replicator technology all the donuts. They don't bake the donuts. They just I love them. that also the main character just literally references Star Trek yep. to okay. that family. All the time. I have more Star Trek points as well, but I was like, let me... I, I, I okay, I'm we'll, so we'll glad. That. <laughs> please, I'm go I'm so ahead. glad. Anyway, um, replicating but the But yeah, donuts. but this becomes... Yeah, they're replicating the donuts. And this becomes a not a major plot point, but a significant minor plot point in terms of people have, people are less people aren't enjoying the donuts so much anymore. And everyone's like, why? We we perfectly on a molecular level replicated these donuts. What's going on? And we get to see uh, a couple of the members of of this alien family who've started going out into, you know, in into the city and eating food made by people eating food that's made with intention and care and history and and that difference between yeah look if you if you just need to make there be food love the replicator technology amazing but that is not the same thing as engaging with hey we actually have the time to mess around with this we have some we have some flexibility here to like actually dig in and find the things about this process that bring us joy we can find joy in all sorts of little things that are technically chores just to keep us alive. Um, but it's a really, it's a really beautiful, again, just sort of like subtle through line of this theme. Yeah, I think there's another cross intersection there. I think that I feel like the donuts section stood out more in part because there's also the uh, question Land has about like the value of music and like kind of mm-hmm. understanding that and. Um, but then separately related to music, um, I was struck by the scenes between Shizuka and Katrina where Katrina is listening to all of the violins and Shizuka is saying like, um, or, and Lucia is also noticing this quality in Katrina that everyone else is looking for technical correctness instead mm-hmm. of the heart of the sound. And I think that distinction is it shows up over and over in the in the in the um, novel. I think it's like the difference mm-hmm. between survival and living. It's the difference between something that is okay, yes, technically perfect. You look at it on paper, doing all the right things, but like, where's the heart? Where's the soul? Where's the hope? Um, so it's really tied in on like so many small levels. I mean, and a big level, yes, too, because that's like Katrina is trans and one of the main points that uh, Shizuka makes about her violin playing at first is that she's playing to follow Mm. like she's watching all of these other musicians and trying to copy them exactly you know and she's not really letting her you know her own music speak her own voice out and that's, I mean, it's set, presented this way in the novel, but it's a direct analogy to her living her life as a trans woman. Yeah. Right? She's trying to imitate how cis women go through the world and mm-hmm. trying to fit in and trying to, you know, keep her head down and avoid all Stay this safe from yeah. other people. And um, she... You know, there's there's a line I, I underlined it about how that's a skill that mm-hmm. she has, and it's 
very sad, right? That like, yeah, it's a skill and she's good at it, but it's sad that she has been forced to become good at it. Yeah. Like, because it's what she has had to do to survive. And so the whole novel is about like, I keep saying the whole novel is about what, you know, it's, right? It's, this, this is a, it's, it's a master just, craft of it, that. It's, yeah. it's amazing how everything ties in together, mm-hmm. right? And so it's, you know, subtle on these, the survival versus living is subtle in these analogies that you both have mentioned and overt in Katrina's entire life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's just, yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's part of why I really like this book is all the pieces fit together so well. And I think it's really, as a, from a reader's perspective, very I don't know if satisfying is the right word. Like, yeah, it's satisfying, but it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Right. Like to see all of those elements come together and uh, maybe impactful. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't really convey how I properly feel about this <laughs> book. And maybe that's why I'm not a writer is like, I can't find the exact words that I want to are you, tell Are you, you kidding? The number of writers who write something to to the effect of like, this is the point where language ends. The number of writers who are like, there is no language yeah. to describe this. Grappling with exactly yeah. what you're grappling with is a very writer thing to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, uh, I'm, I'm relieved. Yeah. I've been, I've been listening lately to, there's a really wonderful podcast called failure to adapt uh that is all about like book to movie and tv show adaptations it's super Ah. funny it's super great um one of the co-hosts is like a young adult and children's author maggie takuta hall oh and i'm yeah yeah and i'm forgetting the name of of her co-host who's a comedian and he's really great as well read something it's escaping me anyway all to say they they have a lot of cool writers come in and talk about things too um and it's really funny to hear at the end they'll be like what are you all reading and hearing other authors try to describe books that they love and consistently <laughs> just like it whips ass it's just yeah it's just it just whips so much ass and you're like this is it is correct that and occasionally people will get i don't mean to you know just diminish <laughs> i think it is a deeply human and normal thing especially because oh it, how can we summarize this book in one word? We can't. If if the if it could be done, the author would have just written one word. You know, yeah, it yeah. took Rika Aoki a whole and, and a large book to say what she wanted to say. Uh, yeah. It makes sense that it is hard for the rest of us to com- to compress it. <laughs> yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. I yeah, I was I wanted to hear. Uh, some of the Star Trek things that you were feeling, Leah. Oh yeah, this is please. this is a consistent theme. We've come we've come back around to Star Trek. I don't, I don't know how I became the I mean, Star Trek person, but I bring it up every. I don't other know, episode. but this is this is what happens. Yeah, I mean, I can unfortunately I can be a Star Wars girl, uh, but like I've never seen Star Trek oh, except oh, for the damn. Mo- except for the newer movies, okay. which I know like quote true fans nah. uh, have big feelings about those movies but uh i enjoyed them Um, but i would love to know more about the the things that you're (laughs) thinking about star trek in this book Uh, yeah i mean i was like raised on star trek so i you know i didn't really have a chance i guess (laughs) everyone was and everyone else was doomed to hear me bring it up in every episode um, but the I I reading that I was like oh this is a fan uh, in part because of mm-hmm. the Star Trek references, but 
But yes. also, <laughs> yeah. something that you'll see um, particularly in some of the older series, although one of the newer series um, ki- has kind of readopted this model of storytelling, is like you'll have um, a season that has a very loose, bigger arc, but then every episode you're mm. like kind of following a different crew member around. And oftentimes that bigger arc will like tie into a larger theme that they're trying to explore. And seeing the number of like POV shifts and jumps around, jumping around to different characters, like what you were saying about how the different side characters felt uh, more fleshed out than you might see in other books. Like that's a very Star Trek thing to do. And I think a very like, earlier sci-fi tv series thing to do and you don't see that as much anymore which i thought was just Mm -hmm. like really fascinating and then of course also star trek is like this is hopeful like yes people are dying yes every (laughs) every every episode there is a crisis um but also you know the kind of like we're going to keep exploring. We're going to keep solving these new problems. We're going to keep looking for reasons to live. Like that's, I think, kind of what a lot of fans, if they ask, are asked to describe Star Trek, that's what they'll describe. And I just saw so much of that in this book. And it made me think, oh, this, is, this would probably be a really good TV series, actually. Um, I feel like there's so much oh, there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it. it's interesting, you know, Dana, you were saying that you were listening to this podcast about adaptations specifically and I think if this were going to be adapted a tv series would be the way to do it but I also think that there are too many adaptations these days Mm. and (laughs) things are made in a certain media for a reason Mm -hmm. yeah and not everything needs to be adapted um I think some people don't understand that and I, it is, I think it especially happened in the like the, the YA craze of the 2010s or whatever that was. I think that's what it was. That feels <laughs> uh, that feels but, right. You know, like the Hunger Games, Divergent, yeah. uh, the Mortal Instruments series, Twilight. Um, like, okay, <laughs> to- yeah. I mean, <laughs> didn't need to go there because it's an obvious one. But. <laughs> You know, they were like, wow, this book is popular. Better make it into a movie. Um, And they're not always well done. Uh, See the original Percy Jackson movie. Oh, Um, (laughs) oh, I bought... God, do you remember Aragon? Or Aragon? Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, yeah. But I think, like, the... Her writing just works mm, so well mm -hmm. that I don't know how that would translate into a TV show. And one of the things that I'm sure you guys noticed about writing as a craft with regards to this book is that, um, and we've talked about it a little bit with the food scenes and how, uh, I mean, obviously the book is uh, about music, right? So, and and listening. Uh, That's another thing I wanted to talk about, how listening is so active and it is not hearing. Um, it listening is an active activity, mm-hmm. active activity. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No>. Words. <laughs> um, but it's it's about uh, one of the great things about her writing is the way she uses the senses mm-hmm. um, to 
convey emotions and it's like the classic thing of uh, show don't tell and um i just think it was so well done and there's there's a scene in near the end of the book where shizuka is trying to get katrina through her anxiety and she's like okay stop what do you smell mm-hmm. and which was a really interesting thing because she's actively using the senses and talking to it rather than just talking about oh describing flavors of a dish mm-hmm. right so that's more of a passive using the senses but this was like straight up being like smell taste listen straight up <laughs> a strategy that, yeah, that you will Which, get recommended yeah. for yeah, like grounding yourself exactly during, and i was like attacks. uh my therapist has told me to do those things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds very familiar <laughs> but yeah i think there's a lot to learn from this book just in terms of how to use the different senses in your writing whether it be active like that scene or you know quote passive like in all the food scenes and how are your senses another big thing about the music right is listening to it transports people back and there's a lot of like flashback Mm -hmm. scenes to memories of their childhood and other impactful moments in their life um and that is another way of showing how music can how music is life yeah essentially yeah (laughs) i wrote that many times when i was (laughs) annotating hashtag music is life on on your binder it sounds so cliche right (laughs) but it's yeah it's music is is living yeah yeah no it is really I think it's really interesting. You both are kind of mentioning two craft elements that were really fun. They're like the POV shifts are fascinating. So fascinating. (laughs) Sorry. Like within within chapters, sometimes just for a couple lines of dialogue at a time in a way that is not clearly laid out, but it makes enough sense um, that you like go with it. And yeah, uh, using all these flashbacks, which is like what's like our classic – our classic writing advice is like flashbacks are yeah. overdone and you shouldn't do them. It's like, what if we just drop them in whenever anyone starts playing the violin and it's great? Yeah. Right. What if we use like, yeah, all these sensory descriptions and then also juxtapose them with some of the most brutal telling lines that I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Like there's still, I thought I would be stronger on the reread and I was not when I got to the point where uh, Katrina finds out um, that, you know, her teacher, Shizuka, is only teaching her the violin uh, and, like, helping her develop her talents because she's going to sacrifice her soul to, you know, complete right. this Faustian bargain. And Katrina's like, no, this is this is okay. Like, I knew there had to be something. Mm-hmm. I yeah. never expected to survive anyway. And I was like, cool, Cool. That's just cool, a line cool, written cool, 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 cool. in black ink on a white page, and I'm yeah. going to cry about it forever. Yeah. And a huge part of it is there is this absolute facility with recognizing when to describe the sensations of feeling something and then mm-hmm. the way that emotions can feel very like they occlude our sense of exactly what's going on. And it's more descriptive to be like, you know, we have a beautiful, beautiful moment when like, Katrina is going out on stage for the first time and has this like horrible, awful, anxious opening. Mm-hmm. And 
that is a lot less being in Katrina's head is she's like, I feel this way, this way, this way. It's, but it's describing like the sweat on her back and and, yeah. the, and how things are just not sitting right. And you're like, that's very visceral by virtue of the senses. And then Rika Yoki will just come around and just fucking, you know, punch you in the jaw with a direct. Heart, like, yeah. oh my God. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. those are a lot of a lot of craft things and I was like what is going on I'm so overwhelmed and impressed (laughs) yeah and it was interesting like you know I I mentioned that it's a classic saying show don't tell right Mm -hmm. but this book is is a perfect I feel example of that you need to do both yeah I don't think you can get away with just doing one or the Mm other you need both you need balance yeah, and I think the use of like what you were saying about the when am I going to ground you with the senses and when am I just going to let a line stand on its own and be stark, like mm-hmm. understanding the emotional impact of those choices, I think very skillful. Um, and not to not to go back to the yeah. POV shifts, although are you surprised given my reaction? But this was my first. They're so good. <laughs> this was my first read. And I oh, wow. I immediately noticed these POV shifts. Um, and I've, I kind of read the discussion. It was so interesting how I, divisive they were. But mm. I actually thought part of the reason it, it worked um, was because what she would often do is she would start in one character's head and then maybe the character would notice something about another character and then you would be in that other character's head. It was kind of like they were like panning the camera and I thought, oh, this is like such a creative way of Mm -hmm. like passing the perspective baton and it made me think of a couple of things okay i'm gonna get a little bit like spicy hot take here let's go let's go (laughs) oh it's time it's time first i i think sometimes uh when we're first learning about different writing techniques we tend to hold on to them too hard and when we struggle to like fully um i guess like I don't know, take in everything a book is trying to do, we lean on those simple techniques that we were taught. And so, like, yeah. you know, the show show don't tell. Well, people will be like, well, she told sometimes in this, and therefore it is bad. And it's like, is it or is it, like, was there something that maybe th- that bothered you about the story separately or maybe it wasn't to your taste and you just don't know how to articulate it? Because telling can actually be super effective. And it's the same with these POV yeah. shifts where people are like, POV shifts don't happen this way. And it's like, don't they? Um, which reminds me that... <laughs> I, I just read it. It clearly happened this way. <laughs> right. So it's like there's sometimes a... Like, not to bring Brandon Sanderson back into this, but one of the things that drives me the most, just just drives me up the wall, oh. is the... Context, though, for bringing him back into this, we had a... It wasn't recorded. We had a little conversation about it beforehand. Yes. Yeah. So not to confuse the listeners. But I've... Uh, you didn't miss anything. I've also, unfortunately, brought this point up before. Um, because it's... it's they're like some of the really big fans of his have watched his writing classes and they'll say this is how magic systems mm-hmm. work and so when a book that mm. 
doesn't have a magic system like that and the author is doing that on purpose for a reason his fans will be like but it didn't do the brandon sanderson thing it's like it's not brandon sanderson i don't know what to tell you it's a different book there are different <laughs> methods and then finally yeah. okay here's where the really spicy bit comes in that i was gonna say there the so far we're all with you said, so far like, yes here 100 percent you are we'll correct. Uh, I cannot remember the exact quote, but I think it was C.S. Lewis. I'm hearing this like from Lee Bardugo, who said it was C.S. Lewis, talking about cliches <laughs> sure. and how part of the reason why people like cliches is because it doesn't challenge them. Like they can sit back in the comfort of it. They're accustomed to it. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to analyze it. They don't have to take it apart. So when so sometimes when an author does something that is really creative and actually you might see more of down the line and like does something a little bit more air experimental, people don't appreciate it because they're not in their comfort level. They're not in their comfort zone. Mm. So it's like, you know, was it bad or were you not comfortable? Right. I don't think that's spicy <laughs> at all. I think that is just that. Yeah. Yeah. That's just real. Okay, well. That's just true with regards to writing, but with regards to real life, people don't, it's like people don't like change, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's like people don't like different techniques used in writing because they haven't seen it before. They're like, what are you trying to change me? What are you trying to do to me? You know, like that. It's there so is, prevalent. There's right? a real lack of understanding of the difference between, and admittedly, it's a challenging thing. I think a lot of people struggle with it. So it's, I think it's a very human thing to struggle with. But understanding when there is, you can experience discomfort caused by like problems, right? You can be uncomfortable because you are not safe. You can be uncomfortable mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, there, you, you are, you know, at risk in some way. You can also be uncomfortable because uh, things are not presented to you exactly the way that is most uh, easiest for you to understand. That is a discomfort that is worth sitting with, right? This is, yes. I mean, you know, yes. not, not to get, but this is exactly the kind of like for a lot of social justice issues too, where people will get really defensive at first. Yes. And it's like, I understand <laughs> that it makes you uncomfortable to hear this thing. Sometimes that discomfort is a sign that there's an opportunity here for you to grow. Sometimes yes. discomfort can be actually like this situation does not feel good and it is a threat to mm -hmm. me. That, not usually for conversations about social justice. <laughs> usually you're not under physical threat there. There's not something that you actually need to, to avoid and protect yourself. There's an opportunity to grow. And yeah, I agree. Like, I think that's true across life. And I think, unfortunately, yes, I'm sure this is a spicy take in, in, in some venues, but I think you're exactly correct. And it's very true for art as well, right? That's often, I think that's why a lot of times adaptations can be so compelling, even when people are like, I'm sick of them. Or mm. similarly, like uh, retellings, mm -hmm. right? Retellings are great because they can, if they're done well, they can be this wonderful combination of this has the cliches, the comfort, the things I expect. And we're, we're twisting a little bit. We're going somewhere I'm a little bit less comfortable. But usually, yeah, there is this kind of funny thing where, you know, you'll, you'll hear people talking for art. I want something like the stuff I've enjoyed, but different. And yeah. trying to figure out what does that mean mm -hmm. that like the same and different. And I think a lot of people have different 
comfort zones, right? How much the same do you want it? How much different do you yeah, want yeah, it? Absolutely. But it is well worth analyzing when your discomfort is based on like, this just seems kind of weird to me. And when it's like, this was bad according to objective uh, criteria for art. And you're like, well, yeah, right. No. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so interesting because I had that same reaction when I recently read, I know this podcast is about light from uncommon stars. Okay, go but for it. Just got we talk about all sorts book. of things. Um, but it's uh, I read the Red Scholars Wake oh. by Aliette de Bodard, okay. um, which is a, a sci-fi story about lesbian mom space pirates. Mm-hmm. Um, but similar to this book is that there's you know this plot action plot story, but it's about these people more so but also um she wrote this book set in her um vietnamese inspired galactic empire Mm -hmm. and the way she told the story feels very uh vietnamese obviously um Mm -hmm. which is the point um but it's very different than like western Mm sci-fi it reads different uh and the some of the things that she uses in the novel for example is in Vietnamese in the language there's these terms uh, like honorific terms that you'll call someone like older sister or younger sister or elder aunt or something like that that's the English translation Mm -hmm. and you use those and they're not directly familial titles right you can call this use these honorifics to talk to anybody that you're close to. And so in the book, the two characters who are sort of romantically interested in each other use those terms for each other, like little sis and big Mm -hmm. sis. And Aliette does not use the Vietnamese words for that. She translates them into English, Mm. which I think was fascinating, like a, a bold choice, because I think a lot of western readers who are not used to that will be like mumbling about incest and whatever it's like that's not i know it's shocking (laughs) like obviously i would not think of that in any way and people who i have been more exposed to like vietnamese culture would not think Mm -hmm. that but it's something that she's talked about on twitter about people saying about those words but it was also the book was included in a very popular book subscription box and Mm. it made me kind of like happy because her work definitely deserves to be recognized Mm -hmm. but it also made me sad Mm. because those book boxes are purchased by a lot of western and white readers who don't have a lot of exposure i think to and this is me generalizing of course sure right but like I, I even saw people being like, oh, I'm really not interested in this book. I'm going to skip this month. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, this not, it's not fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're not giving it a chance. And I think yeah. a lot of people read that book and like felt uncomfortable because it was different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, it makes me yeah, sad. I think I think it's... I think it's amazing. I think it's a great book. Yeah. <laughs> but it's different. It's different. Yeah. And I mean, it's sad that you have to... F- you see some really great news for an author doing interesting work and you feel apprehensive because you you've seen yeah. that pattern you know to expect that reaction 
Um, and I think it just makes it, you know, creating takes so much vulnerability um, and really honing in on your perspective and thinking about what you're trying to say, like bearing a part of yourself as well. And so it's just like an added layer um, that folks have to go through, who have to deal with people not being as, you know, familiar with if they're underrepresented it uh, underrepresented it up underrepresented um they're not being you know they're not as familiar with their culture with their gender with um any anything like that um mm-hmm. it just it makes it harder to like get your book out there um much less get you know the readers not willing to give it a chance which i think is really sad it does feel like i know i've mentioned this quote before on the podcast but there's a wonderful quote from adrian marie brown mm-hmm. Uh, that says that the core question in any effort to tell a story is, will you feel this with me? And which is an in- inherently vulnerable question to, as a creator, to ask of your readers. Um, but I think what you're, what we're all talking about here is that uh, recognizing trying to deal with the fact when like someone is reading a book and they've said no, <laughs> they've said no, I'm not, I'm not willing yeah. to feel this with you. Um, which is a, th- we're all allowed to say mm-hmm. that, like, it's fine to, to decide you don't want to go on a journey. Um, but it is interesting when we're not able to recognize that, you know, this book wasn't speaking to you. Maybe at least part of that was you weren't willing to go where the book wanted to go and you weren't willing to say, yes, okay, I'm just going to feel this with you. And then at the end, I'll see, I'll see where I end up, but I'm going to feel this with you while I'm here. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's 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 sort of a necessary part of this. And I do think, I mean, I think we see that a lot in terms of, of you know, questions of, of diversity. We see that a lot for questions of like craft that's pushing the boundaries. I really, I do feel like it, there's an interesting bit of it too, again, just to come back to Light from Uncommon Stars that about that genre smash. Yes. Right? So very interesting. Which is, yeah, it's so interesting. It's so unusual mm-hmm. um, to see something that, again, and that also, it's not trying to, a lot of times when you see fantasy and sci-fi mixed up, I feel like someone's tried to come up with the grand unified theory of the supernatural, <laughs> right? Where they're like, well, yeah. don't you see the magic is uh, the right. science yeah, turned yeah. into the whatever, yeah. as yeah. opposed to this, yeah. which is like, how do you break out of a devil's bargain? You leave the galaxy, no. my dude. <laughs> that was, You're like, what? One of the best. One what? of the best of versions. How do you? What's going on? This is amazing. Oh, and Let's how put do a we? Spoiler warning in front of that. Yeah, we always yeah, talk we about do, spoilers. We do all the spoils. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, but it's a it's a delightful thing, and I think um, it's a really surprising thing. And you do have to be like it's. It's a thing I always have to lead into when I am trying to pitch this book to someone where I'm like, yeah, so we're going to we're going to mix this all together. I promise you it works. <laughs> I yeah. promise you it works because there is this feeling of like, well, why? Why are you mixing these? But I feel like there's such a wonderful they're all talking to each other. It really feels like uh someone decided to actually write a story where like you know how when, when people are getting into real like literary analysis, it's like, well, this in conver- is in conversation with uh, this yeah. text, <laughs> yeah. which is like a phrase that a I remember staple. hating so much from school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, feels like, it feels like Rika Aoki went, 
yeah, bet. Like, let's actually <laughs> let's actually take Shizuka from another story someone could have written and Lan yeah. from another story, and we're gonna have them sit over some Hainan chicken, and they're yeah. going to talk to each other. And it feels like we have it's so character focused. We have these characters learning from each other, but it also kind of feels like we have these genres learning from each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So much of what Katrina is bringing to and showing these other characters is like, hey, uh, the world's brutal out there. And like, that's something that can get very brushed over in, in, in fantasy and sci fi when you're like, we have grander goals of there's intergalactic war. Who cares about your very personal tragedy? Mm-hmm. But they all make it stronger. And, and having this, you know, the sci fi possibility. Uh, the fantasy, like, acknowledging, like, the magic and things that we can't measure. Mm-hmm. All of these things make each other better. Like, this is not these three come together and then we're like, fantasy wins. Right? Like, fantasy was yeah. right the whole time. <laughs> yeah. You know, fantasy didn't understand that, like, uh, Katrina had some legit fears and anxieties that needed to be dealt with and addressed and healed, not just, like, steamroll by well you have magic powers now so it's yeah (laughs) yeah like you were saying people ask why would you put these genres together why not Mm -hmm. there's good things about every genre Mm -hmm. and if you're taking you know miley cyrus said best of both (laughs) worlds right and we always do what miley cyrus says (laughs) yeah That's uh, well, that's that's the that's well, the subtitle of the podcast, right? <laughs> sure. Uh, it's definitely catchy. Um, yeah, I thought the the genre smash was it's just delightful when an author takes a big yes. swing. When you see mm-hmm. you read a book and you're like, "This is a big swing. Let's go!" Like that's how I felt reading this book. And so I think, like to be honest, reading it, there were some things that didn't perfectly work for me, and I think it's partly because mm-hmm. I'm like. I'm a I'm a little character gremlin. I'm always like, but I want more, but I want more. <laughs> and so I think because there were so many things going on, I wanted it to go even deeper because, again, character gremlin. Um, although I, I think probably I didn't finish my reread, but even rereading it, it surfaced some interesting questions about like my, my first reaction. I mean, some of it's preference, but some of it was also – uh, thinking about Lan and Shizuka's uh, romance in particular. That's the other thing. I also mm-hmm. love romance. So I was like, more, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I wondered as well if I was like, there were a couple of moments where the way they were interacting, the first time I read it, I was like, hmm. And then the second time I read it, I was like, oh, I wonder if if I read this again when I'm older, if I will feel differently about the romantic resonance mm. here. Because these are two, one older human woman and one older space alien disguised as a woman. Um, and I, th- I think even like the way that I viewed romance when I was in my teens, in my like early 20s, all that kind of thing is very different than how I think about it now. And when I read romance now, the, mm-hmm. I, the things that I remember loving when I was younger and being like, that's so romantic. I'm now like, ooh, okay. Like uh. I, see, I, I see where I was going with that. So like I'm really curious to see yeah. how I react um, as I age. But all that said, I I am much more willing to 
kind of taken some of the things where I'm like, well, I wanted a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that when the author takes a big swing, which is exactly what Rika Aoki yeah. did. Yeah. And I think that also circle ba- circles back to, Dana, you were saying a lot of authors are basically like, will you feel this with me? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what their books are. And it's the idea of growing as a reader to me, I think means reading with more of an open mind to recognize that things you didn't like doesn't mean it's a bad book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, like no argument. There are bad books out there. (laughs) Problematic ones, you know, whatever. But just because you didn't like a certain element doesn't mean it's a mm-hmm. bad book and it doesn't mean someone else won't like it mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean you know like leah you were saying as on a reread it doesn't mean you won't like it in yep. the future yeah you know, it's you you learn mm-hmm. things <laughs> you grow. your ideas of romance totally evolve your ideas of how you move through the world totally evolve and like it yeah, I'm part, t- taking part in a sort of a rereading challenge yeah. thing this yeah. year. Um, and it's about revisiting the books that you read as a child or as a young person. It's called 23 and Me, <laughs> the books that made oh, me. Wow. And there's different specific prompts, which I can share with you. Um, but, you know, it's thinking about how those books were formative for you and rereading them and sort of seeing how you feel now. Um, and I, I reread my favorites mm-hmm. all the time, but there are a few that I haven't gone back to in a while. And it's just, yeah, interesting to see how you've changed as a person and what different things you find in, in the text. Yeah, like what you catch and what you, the nuances that you just can't fully appreciate. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, to bring it back to Light from Uncommon Stars, I felt, again, I just I just wanted more. I'm such a sap. I'm like, um, <laughs> but there were moments where, to me, their conversations felt more, like, distant. And I think I'm accustomed to more, like, effusive romance. And so I was like, oh, wait a minute. Why do I feel that way? And at no point was I like, this is bad. Um, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. What do you, this book needs to specifically cater to me. And if it doesn't, um, uh, but, you know, I think it's definitely a good skill to develop, not just as a reader, but also as a writer to be like, okay, let's think about who these characters are and why they would be talking in that way. And maybe is there something that I don't understand or haven't experienced here? Yeah. Yeah. I, to specifically to that point, I want to share a quote that I highlighted from the book. Please. Um, and it's, uh, so one of the characters says, when you think of love, is it somewhere the colors are brighter and everything seems to glow with no pain, like your heart is skipping and doing cartwheels? And the other character response is, no, ma'am. And then in her head, she says, as if someone like her could have a life like that. And then the other character says, good. And, you know. She's kind of confused. She's like, what? And she's like, good. Because love is so much more than that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I think that sort of encompasses how the first 
part of it was, you know, do you think of love as this happy mm-hmm. thing? And, you know, you're saying sometimes when you're looking for romance in a book, you want it to be effusive and over the top and all the things you see in movies, right? But like the character goes on to say, love is much more than mm-hmm. that. And I think recognizing all those different facets of love and types of love is something that I definitely didn't appreciate when I was young. Now I feel I have a bit more of an appreciation for it. So reading books like this, I could, I absolutely agree that some of the scenes between Lan and Shizuki, Shizuka. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Fine. <laughs> I said misrepresented um, earlier, so I can't. <laughs> yeah, we're all good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's they were a little distant, mm-hmm. but I think it's it's just another aspect of of relationships and how people talk to each other, especially at different ages yeah. and different life experiences. Yeah, and I think like for me, the distance was more like the the way that they talked about their conflict, particularly around uh, Shizuka's love of music, but also like Lan learning that Shizuka dragged six souls to hell. Uh, Shizu- yeah. uh, Shizuka becoming more familiar with what Lon is fleeing from and like the capabilities that Lon has and um, I think you know when I was younger and even to an extent now and in a lot of romance as well if there's um, if romance is the central feature that conflict is like fully hashed out right they're gonna have an end it's like this is why we fought and this is how it- and they were like, they had the fight. Lon kind of had a moment to reconsider and then came back and was like, I'm sorry. And then they, they like exchanged stories. Like that kind of like yeah. glossing over that conflict is not what you would expect in a romance genre, right? So it's like, that is an interesting adjustment as well. And I think sometimes as you get older, you're like, does this need to be fully hashed out right now? Probably not. We, you know, there are, there are other ways that we can talk about this and grow. So I thought that was like, that was the moment for me where I was like, oh, maybe I'm just like, I wa- I'm really curious to read this again when I'm like 40. Yeah. I do love the other, I think I hinted at this a little bit earlier, but just thinking about it as you're talking about the conflict between Lon and mm-hmm. Shizuka. I think the other thing that's so cool about all the food scenes is that, uh, they all are reminding me of a piece of writing advice I heard forever ago, long enough that I don't remember who said it, where they were like, when you're writing fight scenes, mm. you just need to remember that it's a conversation, and Ooh. which is a great piece of advice. And I felt like, again, every single food scene, every single restaurant scene is also a conversation. Yeah. You know, one of our first scenes of, you know, Lon and Shizuka eating together is they go to this restaurant and uh, Shizuka picks out what she wants, and Lon says, "Sure." Laughs with the waitress, orders something completely different, and like she's right, but Shizuka's also like, "Yo, you didn't consult yeah. with me. You didn't. You didn't realize that. Like, yes, you knew the correct answer. I don't care about the correct answer all the time. I want to be heard and mm-hmm. and listened to, and and all of that." And I feel like it's the case for every single scene where two characters are eating is clearly a a, a stark representation of their relationship, mm-hmm. of who they are as characters, of what's going on between them at that mm-hmm. moment. Uh, 
And it's such a cool thing to remember. I Maybe I'm just thinking about this as someone also currently trying to write a romance novel <laughs> and deeply terrified of trying to write sex scenes <laughs> and being like, it's just a conversation. Just remember, it's just a conversation. It's just a conversation with different body parts. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to say that. I mean, I think there's another, the other example is when Lon decides to turn off the scrambler as Shizuka is discussing... Mm-hmm. Um, Katrina's playing not realizing that that could be sensitive and being like kind of dismissive of that Um, you make such a good point about how all of those those food scenes are doing really well at I think highlighting the relationship tension but also like some of the um, I guess like moral positions of the characters and even like thinking through some of the internal conflict I think here and there so doing a lot of things at once yeah and a character that we haven't really talked about because there's so many good ones to talk about. Um, Astrid, Shizuka's oh, housekeeper, Astrid. who is constantly providing food and it is always meaningful yeah. and correct. It is so good. I mean, she's the one who actually says that quote that I yeah. mentioned about She's doing her best. Yeah. And just... We ha- also haven't talked about Shirley, who I, I thought had a really interesting arc and is another... Synthetic protagonist, yeah. baby! <laughs> oh my god. There's... Well, another... Yeah. There's so Another much. Another relationship kind of pain point between Shizuka and Lan, where Shizuka is stepping in and being like, I will defend Shirley. Don't, you're not allowed because you're not, you know, treating. Well, and. God. No, sorry. I was, I, you should, you should finish what you were saying. I was connecting it to something oh, else. Oh, no, just that, you know, not recognizing Shirley's at a personhood, existence, consciousness, I guess. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, it, I, the thing I was connecting it to is I remember when we were talking earlier and you were talking about uh, how so much of this story is about like, oh, it's not about playing the violin technically correctly. It's about the heart of it. The same is yeah. fully true with like when this conflict with Shirley comes to a head is that Lana's like, there's a technical imperfection in this program mm-hmm. I wrote. <laughs> She's yeah. not obeying. It's yeah. like, yes, that is, but that's absolutely like the sign of humanity and heart here of like, this is a person. This is a person now. I don't care that she started out as code. Like, she's a person. Uh, And it, yeah, just as one more way that it's just like, everything's coming together. (laughs) It's all (laughs) weaving. It's all the same themes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I think there's, I think we've covered a lot of the really big points. But I, I will say that, and I don't often say this. Um, but I will say that it, even if you read the description and you're not sure if it will be to your taste, I actually think that you should give this one a try, um, mm-hmm. in part because I think the author took such a big swing. Um, and I really, I, f- yeah. I feel like from, you know, from a story perspective, it has a lot of heart. And from a craft perspective, it takes risks. And, um, you know, I want to support and from the the writer part of me also wants to support writers who take risks and I think that you can learn mm-hmm. a lot from that um and about story so yeah final thoughts. yeah I think Definitely. that's a really that's a really good note too where it's like this I feel like it sounds like all of us read this book and we're like oh this is really speaking to us on a deep yeah. level even if it doesn't feel like it's speaking to you you're going to walk away thinking about things and being inspired by things that you weren't before because there's something new in this that you are going to 
be seeing and and be getting to experience and feel with the Mm -hmm. author for the first time if you've made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> then you know that there is a lot to learn, as we've clearly discussed. A lot going on. A lot going on. Well, thank you both for chatting. Thank you so much, uh, Mackenzie, for joining us and wandering with us today. Uh, where can, if people want to check in with you on Bookstagram or book blogs, where can they find you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to list a bunch of things right now. And unfortunately, I don't have all my handles, you know, synchronized, which I probably should. (laughs) But uh, on Instagram, I am bookish black hole with an underscore in between the two words. So bookish (laughs) underscore black underscore hole. uh, My book blog is colormered.com, but the British spelling of color. (laughs) So with a U. And I am also on Twitter at it not Mackenzie. <laughs> so I know that was a lot. And uh, pick your poison. You all, got options. Yeah, you got options. <laughs> and you know, you go to one site, and uh, the others will be linked. So if yeah. you just remember one, that's fine. If you remember none, that's <laughs> also fine. <laughs> <laughs> there is also the fact we can link some of this in the show notes True. so that uh, it's You know, that's just, a good point. Yeah, for, for people who are more visual than auditory learners, <laughs> we like to support you too. Yes. For the people who are like, uh, you exchange names and you immediately forget the name that someone like, said. I don't remember yeah. what that was. We got you yeah. in the notes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, thank you both so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. Yay. I'm so glad this was such a delight. Yeah. Thank you all also uh, for listening and wandering with us here today on Working Title. Uh, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, we are at WorkTitlePod, uh, where you can keep in the loop about upcoming episodes as we talk about more books and writing and stories generally. Thanks so much, folks. Bye. 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 Bye.